Born Ready, more like Born Slippy, Underworld style. Shouting, mega, mega white thing. And a World Cup for Japan! They have rewritten the history books in Germany. Welcome everybody to the Final Countdown, a podcast looking back at great finals within the game of football. I'm Lewis, here with my co-host Adam. Hello there. Uh, and I'm going to start with a correction, because oh. I think it's important when we're wrong to... Uh, you or me? To own up. Oh, it's me. Oh, okay. I, I don't fact check yours, um, but <laughs> it, it bothered me. So it's only a small addendum. So we're starting off by saying, at the start of this podcast, we might not know what we're talking about, which is me when I'm trying to go off the top. We're learning, mate. Exactly. We're learning. It's fun and educational. <laughs> and educational. Uh, so a correction from my 1995 pod. Uh, I said that there that Germany there'd been three Euros and Germany had won three in a row. Um, and I'd muddled my facts. So at this point, there'd been six women's Euros. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'd been running for quite a while before the World Cup. Yep. But I'm, we'll, I'm sure we'll cover the women's Euros at some point, probably in <laughs> in the lead up to the women's, women's Euros, Euros in a couple yeah. of years' time. Makes sense. Um, if we're still going then, maybe we'll run out of great finals within the game of football. Never, mate. Never. Because uh, we are on board the hype train. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, just a correction. So there have been six women's Euros by the 1995 World Cup. Um, and I said that Germany won three in a row. They had won three, but not in a row. Um, but Germany were the European powerhouse, which we'll, we'll talk a little bit about right, today. Right, okay. Um, so just to correct that, but we did say we were going to do this uh, on our last recording session, Adam, and I'm disappointed to see that you didn't on yours. However, oh, let's take us that? back to 2003. Oh yeah, uh, we our, didn't do that, did we? No, our time capsule, but we had a lot to fill in last week, so yeah. our little time capsule. Um, <sighs> 2003, 2003, not a lot seemed to happen in 2003. So... There was some stuff that I didn't want to touch on. So the Iraq war is kind of yeah, starting right. to gain traction. And I thought, let's not let's not have that in the pod. Not really our vibe, um, mate. No. So what very much is our vibe, just starting with the sporting references, mm. uh, Ronaldo makes his debut for Man United at 18 years old. Really? And a 16-year-old Lionel Messi debuts for Barcelona. Wow. So, yeah, taking it back now. Quite a few years. Yeah. Uh, Concord. Man, sorry, gone. Man United champions, were they? Or Arsenal? 2003. Around that era of the Battle of Old Trafford, I think. Yeah, that's very interesting. I'm not entirely sure. But either way, it was still the two leg, uh, two. Two uh, horse race. Thank before you. Before Mourinho's Chelsea arrived. I was about to say the two legged horse race. Two legged horse thought, race. That's a terrible race. No one to pay to see that. <laughs> Put them out of their misery. It's like the Grand National all over again. Um, so Concord makes its final flight, which uh, I thought Concord lasted a bit longer. Yes, yeah, so actually. But yeah. yeah, 2003. Yeah. Uh, the Human Genome Project was completed after sequencing 99% of the human genome. So, wow. yeah, absolutely incredible. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. What happened in 2003 for him? Can you um, think? Kindergarten Cop was released. No, much earlier. That was a 90s film. I remember <laughs> it well from my childhood. Uh, oh, he became governor. That's right. Governor right. of California. Mm. Andre Agassi recaptures the world number one ranking. Incredible. To be, become the oldest ranked male in history yep. at 33 years and 13 days. Mm. And then finally, because we always like a little bit of a music drop in just to really um, evoke memories. Black Eyed Peas, Where Is The Love is the UK number one during this tournament. Where uh, is the love? I don't even need to drop in the Black Eyed Peas version now. Uh, the other songs that were big that year, Gareth Gates, Spirit in the Sky. Oh, shut up. Yeah, enough of Gareth Gates. Uh, but then two absolute bangers, Christina Aguilera with Beautiful and Beyonce's Crazy in Love. That so just 2003, was 2003, it? yeah, just to make us feel really old. Gareth Gates copped off with Katie Price. Did he? I always find that weird. That is a strange... She would have eaten him alive. I think that Allegedly. was pretty much what... 
the alleged story was. Oh, right, yeah. I don't think it was allegedly. I think she did a big interview about it. Yeah, yeah. Not, not surprising. One of her seven autobiographies that she's released. I don't particularly hate Katie Price for any reason. I just kind of think... It she, was a, the uh, early 2000s was a strange celebrity was, time, wasn't yeah. it? yeah. Where People that weren't really celebrities were celebrities. Yeah, it was yeah. really the birth of the sex tape, the Big Brother, that kind of like I'm mm. famous for being famous thing. Yeah, um, but we're not here to litigate popular we're culture. We're not. No, no. We There's are here. Other to, podcasts available for that. That's right. Uh, we are here very much to talk about the Women's World Cup. So it's 2003. So um, I was about to say the modern era of the Women's World Cup. I'm only saying that because it's my modern era. It's when I start becoming kind of an, yeah, an adult. So I it don't feels know more. When the modern era would have been. I no. would have said more. Ten years later, yeah, I, I think I think you are right, but um, this is when I had a very vague idea of like I knew the women's World Cup was happening, which up until this point I hadn't really paid yeah. any attention to. Yeah. Um, well, but you heard Seth Blatter suggest they might play in hot pants. You and then suddenly I turned on. Boy, I, you turned yeah, exactly. I found interest. Who knew? <laughs> and then I was very disappointed. Wouldn't I? <laughs> um, but this tournament was originally due to be hosted by China who had got to the final yep. in the tournament previously. Um, but unfortunately, due to the outbreak of the SARS virus, it caused the tournament to be moved back to the last host, the big old US of A. How late was that decision then? Uh, months. I, I don't know the exact thing, but it was within a year. So, right, so it was, okay. It was, so it was a, pretty it was a last minute, right, yeah. Because they brought in experts to basically say, is the SARS outbreak going to be over by the time that this tournament oh, begins? Wow. Um, and it, it was given the verdict it wasn't. So even though Australia had bid to host this World Cup along with China and had finished second in the bidding, they yeah. weren't given the opportunity to host it last minute. I don't know if that's a logistics so thing. So were they ready? Or? Well, I'm guessing probably not because yeah. they wouldn't have put in the infrastructure yeah, yeah. that they would have promised yeah. um, years earlier. Uh, so... USA take over because a very successful, as you spoke about, yeah. um, certainly commercially and kind of got the spirit of the nation uh, behind them. So uh, the US stepped in. Um, and again, we spoke about this at the end of the pod last week. This was largely in the hope of reigniting interest in women's football because the Women's Professional League was on the brink of imminent collapse and sadly did collapse basically on the eve of the World Cup. Crazy. So it's a, it's a sad kind of backdrop um, after the highs of the last pod that we went to. Um, so domestically, women's football or women's soccer is not getting the appeal that they want. Uh, interestingly enough, China were awarded the 2007 Women's World Cup and they were given $1 million in compensation for not hosting this year. Really? So they, yeah, they were given automatically the next tournament, which kind of makes sense. I yeah, guess. it does. Yeah, um, yeah. And they were given compensation. There were three teams making their um, Women's World Cup debut. So Argentina, France and South Korea all step into France. the fray. Yeah, France. Kind of relatively late to, yeah, to, right, to yeah. get in on the act. Uh, England did not qualify for this tournament, very sadly. You know why? Um, Phil never went there yet. Oh, big Phil. Fizzer. Fizzer just uh, doing Fizzer 19. One of the more disappointing managers, players, <laughs> human beings on this. No. That's, Good step oh over there. Good oh, step over. Legendary step over. Um, USA, Sweden, Germany were the favourites uh, heading into this tournament, which, as you've been joining us on this journey, is that's pretty much copy and paste yeah. for most yeah. of uh, all of the World Cup. Scandinavia, so German. America. And America, yeah, yeah, exactly. There's there's nobody dethroning them. Although China have given China, it their best yeah, shot, yeah. they obviously yeah. took them to a final. I assume they still went to this World Cup, being that they were going to be hosts. Well, I assume. Yeah, they. Yeah, they. So all the teams on. were qualified by that point. Yes, all the teams are qualified. Right. Um, so but Ch- no China managed to carry on because they would have been hosts. Yeah, exactly. I'm assuming. America had qualified because if they hadn't, that could have been interesting. Yeah, America, of course, qualified because they were just the, the powerhouses um, and were indeed, especially now that they were hosts, were mm. firm favourites again yeah. to, to win the whole tournament, despite obviously uh, Sweden, Norway um, and Germany being kind of... Um, Up there. Yeah, exactly. But everyone kind of thought this is the USA's to win again. Yeah. Um, China managed to get to quarterfinals where they were beaten by Canada. 
So North America, kind of slowly on the rise. Canada. Yeah, Canada in a very tight match. It was 1-0. China had finished top of their group, but Canada managed to kind of squeeze past them. Right. Uh, and they do pretty well this tournament. Uh, they managed to uh, finish fourth, not to spoil anything, but they get to the third place playoff where they yep. lose. Um, and they narrowly beat China. They narrowly lose to Sweden because, spoiler, they at least get to the semifinals. Is um, it a spoiler when we're literally talking about No, probably not. But <laughs> I, I think more so than other pods. I don't think many people will go, oh, this 2003 Women's World Cup final. I know exactly who was in that. Yeah. Uh, so Sweden do get to the final against Germany. So the USA. Whoa. A shock exit. You just spoiled it, man. Yeah, well, nigga, spoiler alert went out beforehand. Uh, so USA and Sweden were in the same group. So it started. Wow, how yeah. did that happen? So USA and Sweden were in the same group. USA won all three of their games. So they beat Sweden in the thing, but they finished with a plus 10 goal difference. Germany did the same in their group, finished top after winning all three games, but had a plus 11 goal difference. <laughs> so it's looking like Germany and the USA yeah, yeah. are on a collision course. Um, the USA beat Norway in the quarters, so a very strong showing, mm-hmm. but they were outclassed by Germany. So they met them in the semis because of the draw yep. and they lost 3-0. They had a convincing loss. The US women's in national America. team in America. America were outclassed by Germany um, and Germany really had to be in their bonnet it was basically a, a sense of like now is our time and they are just they love doing that don't they their manshaft the machine they turn they, up yeah. when like, most teams would crumble and it's so upsetting to see that essentially it's just a German thing yeah, men's football women's even, football it's not just even a German men's thing it's no, just a German thing yeah they're just they are the terminators um, and so yeah Germany absolutely like surprise everyone by beating the USA who, who themselves have beaten Norway obviously a very strong women's yeah. team so USA got to uh, the semi-finals but were outclassed losing 3-0 Germany had beaten Russia 7-1 earlier in the qualifiers so wow. um, uh, sorry in the quarterfinals not the qualifiers and so yeah Germany really were just on an unassailable kind of march uh, Sweden had beaten Marta's Brazil in the quarterfinals so this is the debut of Marta probably yep. the most famous women's footballer of all time yep. um, arguably the greatest women's footballer of all time as well so this is her first World Cup she scores three goals um, but she can't get them past the quarterfinals where Sweden narrowly beat them 2-1 uh, they then dispatch Canada as we spoke about again 2-1 so whereas Germany had been kind of destroying everybody in their wake uh, Sweden themselves had just narrowly been getting past some difficult teams in Canada and Brazil and it was setting up an all-European final between the Germans and the Swedes mirroring that's right mirroring the 2001 European final so we've seen this a couple of times where like the earlier tournaments whether that's the Olympics or the The form teams yeah they they kind of seem to have their seasons Mm. so it was an earlier match that had happened two years previous which Germany won 1-0 by the golden goal so Germany and Sweden met. It'd been very, very close, but Germany managed to get through right. after extra time in the golden goal. So with that, let's actually see what happened in this year's match. So the 2003 final was played at the Home Depot Centre, a 27,000-seat stadium. I was going to ask about attendance. Yeah, so the attendance... They didn't have time to get the hype train up to speed. No, exactly. And obviously the domestic women's league and the MSL, uh, MLS, sorry, are kind of in disarray and are struggling. Um, So it's basically a bit of a reflection. So they kept three large stadiums on, the kind of 60, 70,000 capacity stadiums, um, but they weren't filling them. And they also had three, such as the Home Depot um, stadium, that had been filled. So it kind of halved, really, from the attendances of four four years previous. And that's in it. Yeah. I could understand it a generation 
like apart mm -hmm. but four years all the people that went to those games four years before do you think it's a case of we kind of compared it to 2012 and the london olympics do you think it's a case of people went i've been to a women's world cup now and so with it only being four years later the kind of shine had fallen off it slightly in the event well, yeah I mean, of it, it, you can only conclude that most of the people that went four years before were like oh, all right now yeah yeah it's weird isn't it yeah and but like you say i'm sure that the hype train mm. was uh, on yeah. a much slower course through the rest of the country we're stopping off at various. I can't stretch this analogy too far, but we get the you idea. Just, well, I think we have already. But I, you, you just get that feeling, don't you, with America sometimes that the hype might lack substance. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know what I mean, because they won the they won the World Cup. Yeah, but yeah, that still didn't bring the crowds back. No. It was almost like. But again, is it a case of we saw it? We saw the. That's what well, I mean. Yeah, yeah it US. feels a little bit like American sports watching. You know, the fact they don't really do draws and everything's yeah. about entertainment and stuff like that. It's a little bit like. I've seen it. Yeah, we've completed. They've completed football. Yeah, <laughs> completed yeah. Football it, it does feel a little bit like that. Yeah. yeah, and also I was thinking that success is so prevalent in American sport mm. that sometimes, like winning the World Cup, is like well, that's what we thought we'd do. Yeah, that's what we do. We win. Whereas, yeah. like, we'd be watching it on YouTube and Twitter yeah. for the next ten years. Yeah, as we've done with the Euro final when yeah. Chloe Kelly right, yeah. toe poked us to glory. Absolutely, <laughs> one moment. The match itself, Germany had been interesting in the lead up because um, they had kind of started to really play around with tactics, changing formations midway through games, different lineups. So a lot of opposition teams weren't really aware of how they were setting up. A lot of it was a 4-4-2 that would switch to a 4-5-1, that would switch to a 3-4-3. There was a lot of fluidity and that was basically causing a lot of um, questions that other teams couldn't answer. So Germany kind of possibly part of why they were steamrolling other teams is once you thought you had a handle on them they were very comfortable at just changing formation players playing in multiple positions which we spoke a little bit about last week um, but this was the 12th meeting between Germany and Sweden in international football so they played each other a lot over the years which is that kind of tennis yeah. thing that we spoke about where when you're in the top four seeds you're kind of going to meet each other a lot yep at the back end of tournaments. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. yeah, when it matters. So yeah. uh, it was the third time in a FIFA Women's World Cup that they had met. The two teams had met in 95 and 2001 of the Euros, uh, both of them being won by Germany. Right. So Germany, on the seesaw of balance, yeah. were in the supremacy uh, when it came to finals. But overall, Germany had won six of their matches against Sweden, but had lost five. So overall, okay. it was... Head-to-head -head was close. It was, yeah. But Germany seemed to, in the majority of finals, kind of have the edge when it really mattered. Right. Getting into the game, Sweden were actually the ones that started really well. They managed to maintain possession throughout the first half. They applied lots of pressure, and they looked like the better team. They looked like they had a handle on the occasion. Germany were a little bit hesitant, um, and they were forced to sit back and kind of counter where possible. So they weren't able to really implement themselves or imprint themselves on the game. Sweden managed to... Um, kind of keep possession of the ball so Germany changing formation wasn't really an option because they didn't have the ball a lot <laughs> yeah. um, which is yeah. one way I guess of beating them is to keep that, that yeah. high level of possession um, and it's Sweden's Victoria Svensson um, and Germany's Bridget Prinz do you know the name Bridget Prinz? No so we're going to talk a lot about her today um, and really what she goes on to achieve afterwards. So, uh, spoiler alert, she plays an important role. So uh, each of them had two chances, though, Svensson and Prinz, to score during the first half but failed to convert. So a little bit like the final you spoke yeah, about last yeah. week. By all accounts, the standard of football was higher and it was a bit more entertaining to watch. But there's no real clear-cut chances to talk about. They're all kind of half chances in the first half. Right. Um, but Sweden would eventually take lead just before halftime through Hannah Lundberg, don't know if any relation to Freddie Lundberg, but uh, 
So Lundberg uh, takes advantage following a great through ball from Victoria Svensson that we spoke about earlier. It's really good. Watch it on YouTube. Svensson's kind of at the wing, just in her in the opposition's half. She receives the ball just inside, um, and she takes a first touch, chipping the ball up into the centre of the pitch, following on and then hitting a half volley through ball across the back Sweet. line. It's, it is really good. Uh, the German defenders are kind of looking over their shoulder as the ball goes over the top of them, uh, ready for Lundberg to run in behind to finish coolly from just inside the box. But it's a really magical bit of football from Victoria Svensson. First touch, she kind of like kicks it up to herself, a bit like Tierra and Reed did against Man United. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then on the turn, she plays in this really good looping through ball uh, for Lundberg to come in. So Sweden take uh, the lead on the 43rd minute, just before half time to kind of... Good time to score. Exactly, yeah. You leave lots of questions uh, in the minds of the opposition. So um, yeah, brilliant stuff for them. But the second half starts in dramatic fashion. 40 seconds in, the Germans come roaring back. Of course the they I'll, do. Yeah, the I'll be back of uh, football, <laughs> where they just rise from the ashes like a phoenix from the flames. <laughs> enough dr- <laughs> there's enough Peter Drury being sprinkled yeah, over this. Say, mate. Um, what a poet. But yeah, 40 seconds in, and it's Kirsten, I don't know how to pronounce this name, Gareth Rex. I'm going to say, but it, it might be Gerfrekes. I don't quite know. No. But uh, Kirsten, the German, <laughs> intercepts a pass. <laughs> Much better. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Kirsten, the German, intercepts a pass in Sweden's half and passes it to Budget Prince, who holds up the ball really well with kind of three defenders in front of her. And clearly there's a fear factor around her. She manages to cut inside and then lays off a really good pass for Marin Meinhardt, who uh, cuts inside from the right. Her first touch is a bit messy, but it makes the ball bobble enough for her to hit a half volley. Again, it's a game of half volleys, apparently. Mm. Matt Lassissier would have done well in this he one. Would have loved it. Mark Hughes as well. Uh, but yeah, uh, Meinhardt hits a half volley past Sweden's Caroline Jonsson in goal. Um, and with the game poised at 1 1, the momentum starts to shift now. Sweden become the counter-attacking team, and it's Germany who start applying the pressure. They control the game. Uh, in the 58th minute, uh, Germany's Gareth Rex, again, was tripped in the area, but a penalty was not given, somewhat controversially. I tried to find footage, I couldn't couldn't find any so I don't know how blatant it was or not Um, but a few of the reports that I read up on all kind of hinted that it probably should have been given and with the game now in extra time so it goes through through regular time nobody has any more clear cut chances seems to be evenly contested entertaining but finding this a bit with these finals aren't we yeah exactly Um, but with the game in extra time and the golden goal active like it had been in oh still right yeah, okay right. in your tournament um, yeah, yeah. four years previous in the Euros two years previous and now in this one so three finals in a row go into golden goal wow. um, Germany would break Sweden's hearts again and it was one of the smallest players no. on the pitch yeah the Germans I thought Sweden were going to win this no, when it matters most and it's substitute Nia Kunzer. Oh, no, exactly. No, 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 yeah, no, no, the shadow, the shadow of Germany looms large. <laughs> Just when you think you've beaten them, along comes a big Kunz to try and score. Letzte Anweisung, dann die 98. Minute Freistoß Lingua Kopfballnia Künzer Tor für Deutschland 2 zu 1 Deutschland ist zum ersten Mal Frauenfußball Weltmeister. Die Entscheidung durch ein Golden Goal wie vor zwei Jahren beim EM Finale in Ulm. So Nia Kunzer, she rose and heads a controversial but brilliantly delivered free kick. So at full-time whistle, the Swedish manager goes a bit mental because they feel that this free kick should never have been awarded. Oh, wow. um, again, I couldn't see footage of the foul itself. Just Damn, was this a golden delivered. goal then? It was a golden oh, goal. Man. So the Germans deliver in. It is a brilliantly delivered free kick. Uh, and as it heads over to the penalty spot, it's a really good, really aggressive header from Nia Kunzer. And it loops over the despairing Johnson in goal and gives Germany their first oh, ever death, Women's World it? Cup by the way of golden goal. Oh. Drama, drama, drama. Killer. 
And now we head into our extra time round. Well, you have just witnessed 90 of the most gripping minutes of European football you will ever, ever see. But the good news is there's more to come. Okay, so a few interesting facts about this game. Uh, Germany became the first nation to win both the men's and the women's World Cup. Oh, I was going to ask that. Yeah, yeah so nice. they are the first to do it. Again, just when it comes to finals, they do what needs to be done. They love it. Um, Birgit Prinz, the reason that we spoke about her, or I mentioned her in the final, um, despite the fact she doesn't score or, or assist, she was given the golden boot and the golden ball for this. So top goal scorer in the tournament and yeah. the best player of the tournament. She scores seven goals. She assists five. Um, but this sets up an incredible run of awards for Prinz. So she wins the golden boot. She wins the golden ball. And then in the next three consecutive years, wins FIFA Women's World Player of the Year. So, Bajit Prince, remember the name. She's one of the giants of women's football. Uh, and, she, yeah, just goes on to dominate um, women's football for the next kind of three years. Right. Gets all the plaudits. Uh, absolutely incredible stuff. After this World Cup, talking about Prince, she declined an offer from Perugia to play in Italy's men's Serie A. Wow. Yeah. So she Is, is that, f- are you allowed to do that? Uh, they basically investigate and they find out it's not, it's not possible because yeah. it's the men's football and the rules of the game. But right. they, they applied for a special licence to be given. They Like Perugia, by all accounts, took this quite far down yeah, the road yeah, yeah. to explore it, to see if it was possible she to turned try and it get down. it. So she turns it down and you don't know whether it was because maybe you know it was going to draw on too much or mm. there was too much of a fight, but she puts it down to saying that she was worried it would be used as a publicity stunt, that she wouldn't be taken seriously on yeah. her own merits yeah. and that she would just end up on the bench, which I can understand. Like, yeah. it, I can't even begin to think how that would work no. um, in, in so many different ways. But nevertheless, she kind of just said, you know, I'm top of my game in the women's football. Why would I just go and warm a bench in men's football to basically be spoken about as... Oh, it's a pub quiz. Who was the first yeah. woman to play in a men's Look competitive game? Look how women weren't, weren't as good as men. Uh, yeah, exactly. Example, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, um, yeah, whether she would have been a success or not, we'll never know. But the fact that she was offered it and Perugia literally, you know, went really far down the line. Yeah. But again, were Perugia doing it to bring attention to the league, to their club? Because they're not, you know, the most glamorous club in, yeah. in Serie A. Yeah. Who knows? But nevertheless, I thought it was interesting that she was offered it. Yeah. Um, and I, as far as I'm aware, I don't know if Marta's ever had any offers, but... Um, She's, to my knowledge so far, the only woman that's been offered a, a male contract. Yeah. It was the senior World Cup debut, like I said, of Marta, and we're going to talk a lot about her over of the course, next few yeah, World yeah, Cups. Yeah. Uh, she is the world record holder for goals scored in the World Cup. Um, absolutely incredible stuff from her, but we'll, we'll talk about her in the matches to come. And then, really, just to kind of reference, similar to what um, you spoke about last week, Ad, on the pod, yeah. about the popularity of it. So, it obviously wasn't as big as in the USA. The crowds weren't as big. But in both Sweden and Germany, they received record TV viewers for the, the right, final. Okay. So, for Germany and Sweden. So, the Swedish broadcaster TV4 confirmed that the final to be the highest audience rating ever achieved by the channel for any type of program. Wow. So going above and beyond sport, TV4 had all the, the results of it. Moreover, the match audience propelled TV4 to its first appearance in Sweden's all-time top 10 lists. So it was the, one of the top 10 most viewed things wow. ever in Swedish wow. TV history. Um, and then alongside that, it also broke records in Germany with over 33% of TV viewership being glued to the match. So of everyone in Fair Germany play. watching TV, a third of them were watching the Women's World Cup final. Wow. So it is growing globally. It, it matters, again, like we were talking about last week, about success. Yeah, when your yeah. team makes the yeah. final, we, um, to a degree, we saw that with the Lionesses. Of course we did, yeah. In yeah. the Euros. It's yeah. part of the reason that we've taken such a firm interest in the Women's World Cup this year yeah. um, is the fact that it was successful when it oh, took you on the hype train. Yeah, yeah. And you kind of, you want to reward that 
um, it just gets its claws in you, doesn't it? It's just it's sport. That's well, what it was happens. great. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, I don't I don't think there's anything wrong with being grabbed by hype. Yeah, I think it's what sports about. It, it, you know, when it when sport is crap and it you know it goes wrong or it doesn't work out of the way, it's the other end of it. So yeah. when I think you know people grabbing hold of hype, I think it's one of the beautiful things about sport. Yeah. So the fact that Lioness is one and that means that we're now doing a podcast a year later mm-hmm. about women's football. I think that's all part and parcel of how um, it's meant to be. Yeah, and there's fewer things, I think, because people's interests and, and the internet and everything else has become so, and I love this, so niche. <laughs> but as in, you can find, whatever you're into, you can find a whole community that are into the same things yeah, yeah. again. There are less and less of these like big cultural moments where it doesn't matter what you're interested in, what your hobbies are, what your background is, everyone's talking about it. I I joked off air about the fact that, I, that we did Barbenheimer. Mm. So we did the, you know, the the Barbie film, the open, like people are talking about that, that normally don't care about films, that normally wouldn't go to the cinema midweek or yeah. people are rushing out to see it. We've spoken about kind of the ashes previously in a couple of pods that when it gets drama filled, people are talking about it. And there's these kind of cultural um, I think touchstones. S- I think sport in particular, because obviously you can talk about news and politics and mm-hmm. you know, all that kind of stuff, but that's ultimately usually negative yeah yeah um and i think even with films it, it's great but there is an element where it's already written yeah what i think sport brings and football in particular but a sport in general i think brings that unpredictability you, know, you just don't know what's going to happen that's what makes it great when it's then great yeah because when it you, lives up to you it. just it all the stars aligned and it came together and i was there yeah there's nothing like it that's why it works well, on that note, on that full of hope note, we are going to uh, leave this pod. But join us next week as we talk about the 2007 Women's World Cup final. Yeah.